to the mother-loving future show hosted by Amber Strange and Jenna Penrose two mothers and detectives dedicated to fully embodying a new paradigm of conscious parenting deeper relationships healing ourselves into radiant health and epic answers to age-old enigmas get ready to get your mind blown because this week's episode starts in three, two, one. Hey guys, welcome to the Mother Loving Future Show. We have a delicious episode for you today. It's called Super Food for Super Babies with Yumi. And I'm here with one of the founders of Yumi, Evelyn Rusley. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. We are so excited to get into it with you about your delicious baby food brand because my kids have tried it and they love it. Oh, it's so good to hear. I know. So we are just so excited to have you on. Um, Before we get into all of that, um, we're just going to have a quick word from our sponsor for this episode, which is Beauty Counter. We are so excited about our partnership with Beauty Counter because as you guys might have noticed, a lot of other podcasts are just asking you to donate money via their Patreons or just support them financially. And you know, we, uh, Amber and I put our love, sweat, and tears into this podcast. We do not get paid for it. We put our own money in. We do have some sponsors, but um, we love Beauty Counter for giving us an opportunity for you to support our podcast in an equal exchange when you purchase, like Amber said, the best makeup out there. Mm-hmm. And every dollar goes back into the show to keep it running, just to be clear. Unfortunately, we don't have salaries for ourselves yet. More on this later, but for now, go to the shop tab at themotherlovingfuture.com. And if you're in the mood for clean, non-toxic beauty, click the link to buy this clean makeup while supporting this podcast. Thank you. Now we're back with, with Evelyn. And um w- Uh, So Yumi was founded by Evelyn and Angela, and Angela was supposed to be here today, but unfortunately she had a bit of an emergency and also so did Amber. So it's just me and Evelyn hanging out, but it's awesome. (laughs) So let me tell you a little bit about Angela, Evelyn, and and Yumi, their company. So um, Angela Sutherland and Evelyn Rusley are the co-founders of Yumi, a skyrocketing nutrition and wellness baby company. And prior to Yumi, Angela, who's not with us today, graduated from Brown University with a degree in mathematics before working as an investment baker at Goldman Sachs and then at a private equity firm. And Evelyn, who's here with us today, yay, um, graduated from Princeton University with a degree in English. Hopefully my English is okay right now or she's probably going to be bad. Um, Before working on staff at the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times covering startups and innovation perfect mix. And together, these two boss babes founded Yumi, a company that makes it easier to feed your baby fresh, delicious, nutrient-dense food to support your baby's neurological and physical development at every age stage and delivered right to your doorstep. So since its launch in 2017, Yumi has emerged as a leader in childhood uh, childhood nutrition with coverage in CNN, Goop, Vogue, WSJ, Food and Wine, Business Insider, Fortune, and Forbes, and has become a staple for busy Hollywood moms like Jessica Alba, Molly Sims, Whitney Port, Jamie Lee Sigler, uh, Elizabeth Hammer, and others. So this company is very well received and it's clearly going places. You, If you want more on them, you can follow them on Instagram at Yumi, um, Y-U-M-I, or 
uh, find them online at helloyumi.com. So, oh, you got it. <laughs> thank you so much for being here thank with you. us. Thank you. So fun to be here. Can't wait to hear how this all came about. And um, I love how you guys sort of started out in a more corporate world. And then you kind of just decided that you wanted to do something amazing for women and babies. And we really love that. We really support that. We think that's, you know, kind of all the energies of, of the, the feminine rising, um, supporting all that. So that's something we can definitely get behind. Um, before we talk to Evelyn, let's, I will give you my definition of superfood for super babies. So a new generation of babies are being born on the earth right now who are here to shift the paradigm, in my opinion. And um, these babies need new rules, new systems, new structures, and new food to reflect their new consciousness. These star babies need superfoods to power their next generation bodies, minds, and souls. And it is our responsibility as their parents to break old food habits and find practical ways to think outside the box and deliver the exact nutrition that our babies need in fun and creative ways. Or else they're not going to eat it. <laughs> I love it. I love that. That's such a great definition. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about your story. Like how, yeah. what was your inspiration to do this? Tell us about being in the corporate world and how that was and why you decided to transition. Tell us all about yeah. it. I mean, I didn't expect to become an entrepreneur. I, for more than 10 years, I was a journalist. So when I was 18 and thinking about what do I want to be and, you know, what career will I have? I, you know, really settled on falling in love with journalism. I really wanted to shed light on important issues. And so I was actually working at the New York Times back when I was in college, when I was 19. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Like I'm going to live and die at the New York Times. <laughs> I, I really loved it. And I, I still do love the craft of journalism. But I think, you know, the things you want when you're 18, maybe they change and shift over time when you're in your late 20s or 30s. And I think we're also a generation where you can have many careers. Uh, I think we grew up thinking that, you know, your parents went to a corporate job and they were there for like 40, 50 plus years. And now you see, you know, this generation really come to embrace like different stages of their life and take on different adventures. And so that was kind of my journey. Um, I think as I was in my late 20s and and I was, you know, really satisfied and happy with journalism, but there was something at the back of my mind. And I think it's in part because I covered entrepreneurs and startups. And totally. so you have this front row seat to watching these people really create fascinating companies that can create massive impact at scale. And I think, you know, with journalism, I love that every week it was different. It was like this never ending classroom. And I was able to talk to all these founders and hear of their triumphs or failures. Um, but it was always like one project to the next. And there was a part of me that really wanted to build something every single day and see what that added up to. So I think there's just the seeds were planted along the way. And I was coming to this realization that entrepreneurism itself was just such an exciting adventure because I could build something every day that could change the world in a specific way. Mm -hmm. And I think I really romanticized that notion and really, really got into it. But where it all kind of came together and crystallized was through my friendship with Angela. Mm -hmm. And I'm so sad she's not here today. She's really my other half. Mm -hmm. I mean, as you mentioned in our bio, I was the English major nerd and she was the math major mm -hmm. nerd. And so together we joked that we have like one good brain. Totally. And, so, <laughs> and you know that yin and yang 
yang relationship is so important in business and friendship in all sorts of ways. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's like really good to be complimentary, but come from the same foundation of values and respect and love. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I mean, this company was really inspired by her first child, her daughter. And I've been friends with her for many years, even before Yumi. So we were just having these conversations organically about what she was going through, you know, with her first experiences in motherhood and what she was learning. Cause I actually don't have kids yet. People often ask me and I just got married last year. Mm. And so still like, you know, in the family planning stage of everything, I can I totally feel like the baby spirits, like <laughs> like circling your head right now, being like, we're going to be so well fed. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I, when we first started talking about this, when her daughter was just born, you know, it was, I was thinking about it. I mean, all of my friends were having kids for the first time. You know, I was in my early 30s. So it was definitely on my radar in general. And she was showing me all of this research about the first thousand days. So, you know, a little over 10 years ago, The Lancet, which is a very influential health publication out in the UK, uh, they created a series of papers about this period from in utero to age two and how critical it is, how important it is really relative to the rest of your life. So it's the most important period for nutrition and development. And I was like, wow, I I never heard about that. That's such a concrete, interesting concept. And so she shared with me, you know, her being this, this nerd, this Dropbox folder, literally (laughs) of every clinical study of the, like during this period and how important nutrition is and everything from iron or folate and the impact that it has. And so I was like, I can't believe I didn't know this. And I asked my sister who is also having her first child Mm. for the first time. I was like, what do you think of this? What do you know about this? And she's a doctor. She's married to a doctor. She is a doctor and she's married to a doctor. And what kind of doctors are they? I'm just curious. So like he is like, actually what she does is she focuses on bone rehabilitation Mm -hmm. for like elderly patients Mm -hmm. and he works on like the brain. So it's like very different. It's not in childcare per se, but. And just interesting note, mm -hmm. just to interject, it's like how doctors can be compartmentalized in a way into what their specialty is, you know? For sure. And so, but she was like, you know, it's interesting. I went through all of med school and I had one nutrition class in all of med school. And she's like, that's kind of the typical experience. So you kind of have to nerd out. You kind of have to really want to know about nutrition and stay up to date on all the research. And so she was like, I actually never heard about this, but this is so fascinating. Uh, you know, I just kind of learn things as I go, you know, and talking to my my kids, you know, pediatrician or my OBGYN and all of these things. And so I just thought that was really in- interesting. This like big information gap. Um, and yet at the same time, Angela's going to the grocery store and she's looking at the options of what to feed your kid. You know, as her kid got older, what would she have as she transitioned off of breast milk or formula? And it was just really daunting for her because what she found at the center of the grocery store, you know, an aisle away from the Doritos and the Oreos was the baby food section. And it was shelf stable. So oftentimes older than your child. It was and it <laughs> well was just such a strange concept, right? And then on top of that, you know, it was really nutrient light. It was really high in fructose, a lot of fruit sugar. So predominantly apple purees and pear purees, which is fine, but we kind of like we're talking about this and we're like, if you think about it, your baby's so small. It's like they have a tiny tank, right? And it's like, what are you going to fill it up with? And if you were as an adult just to eat applesauce, you would be malnourished, right? And if a child has an even smaller tank to fill up and if it was just applesauce, that wouldn't give them the full nutrient panel of what they needed. 
And so for us, it was like, oh, there was this information gap and there really is a true product gap. And we just were like, there should be a new company. There should be a new Gerber that, you know, provides really nutrient dense foods for, for babies and really helps parents feel like, okay, like we got this for you. They don't have to worry, like be truly worry free. And so we want as a parent, we worry a lot about right? this, you know, it's yeah. like, it's really a concern for probably every single parent. I know for me to just, even when you know about food and you're educated yourself about food and then you look at the options, it's like, it's stressful. So thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. So we, we were just circling this and we we're like, we should build a business that supports parents in this way and that really supports the next generation. And so we're like, let's quit our jobs. I mean, <laughs> wow. It was like in the grocery aisle. I mean, well, you were like, so we let's were, do this. <laughs> we were actually on vacation together. Uh, we went to Arizona with uh, our, my now husband, her husband, because we're very close. And we were talking about it by the pool. I distinctly remember this. And we just like spent hours, hours and hours, like, because we had been for weeks talking about it, but they were just like, no, this should exist. Like, this is a company that is really important. We should try to move the industry forward. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was within a couple of weeks, we turned in our notice. So I told the Wall Street Journal, I was their innovation reporter at the time. And I was like, I have to leave because I'm going to start my own startup. Oh and, my gosh. Yeah. Were you excited or were you scared or? It's all the emotions, mm -hmm. right? But I think primarily excited. And I, I kind of, even though I don't have kids, I thought about, you know, my kids in the future and this is one of the things that kind of pushed me over the edge. But I thought about, you know, tucking them in at night, <laughs> my these abstract, you know, children I do not have. And, when, you know, when they would ask me, like, what do you do all day? You know, how do you spend your hours? I wanted this to be the answer. Mm -hmm. And oh, I, they're so proud of you already, your future <laughs> kids. They're like, that's my mom. <laughs> um, and so it, it was just really clear. And I, I also had this thought around, like, you know, of course, like startups often don't work out, right? Like their hit rate is not 100%. Like, you know that walking in. But I knew that the process, the adventure itself was going to be so fascinating from also a personal building exercise. Like you learn so much about yourself in building a company and you learn so much about the industry and how to build a business. I was like, this is a really valuable experience. Like even if all this turns to dust, like for many reasons to feel like, I fought for something that really mattered and to also like learn so much. Like I, I just thought it was a really great opportunity. And if anything, I felt privileged that I was in a position where I felt like we had the right idea and we'd find the right support to get this off the ground. So I was like, how could I not take advantage of this opportunity? Um, so that kind of was a predominant feeling, but certainly you're, you're, you're really scared. I mean, it's, you know, it's a quite a leap and mm -hmm. you have to take that leap together. But we often talk about how this company wouldn't exist without each other mm -hmm. because I think, you know, and, and certainly there are many people who go on the solo founder route and they're quite successful, but I just am so grateful mm -hmm. to have like a partner in crime mm -hmm. in it. And Angela has been, you know, my other wife. She mm -hmm. jokes to my husband that she married me first. So yeah. that's how we did that. <laughs> totally. I to, to your work wife. I see that too. I, I also feel that way about Amber, who's not here today. Our work wives are not here today, but I feel you. And it's so nice to have that partnership and that yin yang vibe. It just it really works. So it's a blessing. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, so that's how Yumi happened. Wow. Yeah. I love it. And <laughs> so I know that you guys have um some really cool like nutritionists and um, 
doulas and some really cool, interesting people on staff. Do you want to explain how these formulas were made to be so nutrient-dense and um, tasty? Yeah. So there's many layers to this. Um, The first part of it is that Unfortunately, the current industry as it is has put the bar so low for so long. And I think our generation is just waking up to the impact that food has on our health and now applying it to kids and, you know, then babies. And so, you know, there was just some fundamentals, some basic like parts of our food philosophy that isn't rocket science, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, we want to keep the total amount of fructose low. Mm -hmm. We want to think of the fiber to fructose ratio. Mm -hmm. And so that's really simple, right? And then that means that there's more room for a variety of nutrients that you need. And so then we think about it from this density standpoint. It's like, Mm -hmm. how do we get as much nutrition in there and make sure? So density is a technical definition. You hit 20% or more of a child's RDA, and that means it's dense. And so we're trying to hit that with as many key nutrients as possible. And then you use all the clinical studies that talk about which ones are most important. Like, for example, iron is one of the most important things during this period. And, you know, it's actually one of those common deficiencies. So one in four kids in America uh, are iron deficient, and they found that it cuts across socioeconomic classes. It's not just, you know, people who, you know, are struggling in, in kind of the lower end of like the economic spectrum. But, you know, beyond that, I think like it was also then working with experts, right? So working with nutritionists and pediatricians who geek out on the nutrition side of things um, and just working with a consortium of experts, like going through, like checking all of our formulations. And we have a lot. So we have more than 60 to date and we're constantly changing things. And all really creative combos, you know, and delicious yeah. I want to know how you made it delicious too after you finish your sentence. <laughs> well, then there's <laughs> chefs, right? So then you bring in the culinary side of things. And so it is this like balance, like let's make sure we check off all the boxes on you know, the to make it as nutritious as possible and then check off on the boxes to make sure it tastes good. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're kind of the front line, like the entire company taste tests everything, right? So you taste test all the baby food. Oh my personally. God. Personally. Yeah. I eat many of them regularly. <laughs> it's so, like that's your breakfast, lunch and dinner every right? day. I mean, at the end of the day, it should just be like nutritious, delicious food. Yes. Um, and so it, it was really funny when we first started out, we would go to these farmer's markets just to get the word out. And like, we wanted people to try it. So we'd be like, try our baby food. And people were like, no, no, like I, mm, this baby food, like that sounds gross. Mm-hmm. Like, how is it that the thing mm-hmm. we feed our most precious mm-hmm. being is something we categorically consider mm-hmm gross. Yeah, I know. It's like, what? It's very strange. Yes. And so we would tell people, <laughs> we were like, oh, this is a parfait or this is a smoothie. or the, And then once we repositioned it, everyone wanted to try it. And they're like, oh, fun, great. For example, at the farmer's market. Interesting. And then they were like, this is amazing. This is like a pataya bowl or this is, yeah. you know, and it just tastes like real food. And that's what it should be at the end of the day. And so we have a lot of people at our company who will eat them for like breakfast, mm-hmm. eat them as a snack, eat them as a compliment to their lunch. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly how it should feel. It should. Yeah. Because kids, they have taste buds, you know, it's like they taste food just the way we do it. And they're building them. They're they're, building the taste buds. And this will become like their basis for their palate, really, you know, and if you're only feeding your kid applesauce, then they might 
only like applesauce. Yeah, you know, or, a sweet thing, or sweet right? things, right? And I think like that was like a big part of it was like, let's give them the rainbow. Like mm-hmm. let's make food exciting from like day one. Mm-hmm. And that's why we also wanted to partner with chefs. So in LA, for example, we partner with John and Vinny's and they have like an amazing consortium of like cool restaurants in LA. They're James Beard winning chefs and they're also dads. That's and so, so they cool. geeked down on it because we were like, I bet you that everyone at home, and this is a generation of foodies, right? We like watch all the documentaries on Netflix. We like will pay $12 for that avocado toast that we like. <laughs> and this is a generation that considers themselves foodies. They like embrace food. And we're like, they probably wonder, well, what does John and Vinny's feed their kids? Mm-hmm. You know, this is my favorite restaurant. Mm-hmm. And this is something that everyone should love. And mm-hmm. so it was just really fun to like, let's kick off a whole chef series and work with chefs like on a regular basis wow. so that they can like, you know, it's just repositioning Mm -hmm. this whole category of food. It's really, really revolutionary and really effective. I'm glad you guys filled this gap in the market because that was definitely a gap in the market. So I'm curious to know your perspective on the disconnect between, let's just say like, we could say doctors or just Mm -hmm. the industry of that would, that has been perpetuating this non-nutrient dense food. Where, where do you think the disconnect happened there? Why do you think that we have been set up to, um, only feed our kids for these, like more than a generation, at least like this low vibration or low nutrient dense food? Yeah. I mean, I think it was what was offered at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. So, um, I come from an immigrant family. They came here in the 70s. We grew up in New Jersey. Um, it, was, it was actually Alabama, Iowa, then New Jersey, but primarily New Jersey. And I remember when we went to the grocery store, I was like in awe of everything. And mm-hmm. my parents were just so like grateful to be able to afford the food mm-hmm. at the grocery store, having made it out and like come to America. And they were like building the American dream. Mm-hmm. And it felt like anything that the grocery store would say, we mm-hmm. believed. So if a package said that this is nutritious, that this is low in fat or whatever mm-hmm. it was, like we bought that hook, line and sinker. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not just an immigrant experience. Yeah. That's like everyone. We were a generation brought up on processed foods. I'm sure I was brought up on many processed foods. And, you know, people often ask us, well, you know, I came out fine. And I think that's like, true. Did like, you though? <laughs> did you really? So that's the thing. I think like you come out fine, but we're also this generation. I like to believe that we want more than fine. Like now that we have all of this information, know all of the science, know the impact that food has on our bodies that we want to do as much as we can, right? Um, for the next generation. Well, why do you think like, since we do now know, that this period of, you know, the first thousand days, as you said, is so important in babies, like nutrition and life. And we, you know, it's like, there is this research now that food does affect our body. I'm still like baffled at like why the medical industry and doctors and like, um, you know, nurses in hospitals, like they're going to push you to like, for example, formula feed, or they're actually going to push towards um, non-healthy options. Well, like think why is not, that okay? And like, how can yeah. we shift that? You know? Well, I think it's not fully known. I think we're sort of in this privileged place. Like we're at the center of LA. We're mm-hmm. probably 10 minutes from the closest air one, right? Mm-hmm. There's all these things that we have access to, but I think that it is about getting the message out mm-hmm. there. It is about like, go, like, talking about this and broadcasting this and telling people um, because, you know, it's like, it's funny, like it's not just my, my sister and her husband. It's also my dad who is in the healthcare industry too. He was in pharmaceuticals. He's a PhD in chemistry and he worked his whole life for big pharma companies like Hoffman LaRoche and Merck designing medication. And he's now 
like pre-diabetic and he's obese. Interesting. And I go home and I clear out his fridge. I'm like, this salad dressing has all this sugar. And he has a PhD, right? So it's a not- PhD in chemistry and he's <laughs> making pharmaceutical drugs. But yeah. that kind of goes to show like that that that's a massive disconnect. And these are huge industries, the medical industry, the yeah. pharmaceutical industry. These are industries that are defining people's yeah. health. Like For sure. I mean, there needs to be a massive system change. You guys are really standing for for the light here, you know? But like, I just feel like, like you said, we're in this like really privileged corner yeah. of the world where people have access to these products and yeah. so many people don't. Like, how can we really spread this to be like that systemic change? Yeah. And that's like what we see as like a big part of our mission. Like, we don't say we're like a baby food product company first. Mm-hmm. Like, our mission is to empower people with mm-hmm. information and so that they know know like what they're feeding their kids and why, whether mm-hmm. it is Yumi or it's something that they made or something else that they bought from the grocery store. I think it's just like arming people with information, but it is, you know, something that isn't like a hundred percent pervasive yet. It's not common knowledge yet. And like someone like your dad who works in the healthcare industry, who has a PhD in chemistry, what do you think it would take to convince him, for example, of like nutrition and the value of it? Yeah. Well, he's very stubborn. So I don't, (laughs) I don't know about him specifically. Um, I do think it, it is just becoming more popular though around food as medicine. And Mm -hmm. we've seen it with like documentaries have been pretty powerful. I would say in the last few years, like that sugar movie and fed up and all of those, um, even like around like, you know, a plant-based diet and kind of the interesting like uh, benefits that that can yield. I think that this is a generation that has become very inquisitive. And so it is through these interesting forms of like documentaries and people, uh, new startups and people getting the word out. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I think it's just a combination. It's not just like one thing, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm grateful for you for being here, speaking about this on this podcast. Hopefully people are going to hear this and, um, you know, the word's going to get spread. Yeah. Um, definitely. Yeah. Um, so interesting. And I just want to say as well, like the, your food is not just for babies because my son is five and a half Yay. and he loves it. Like I'm going to be ordering this Good. for my bigger kids too. It's not just babies <laughs> that can um, benefit yeah. from this. Well, we just came out with the finger foods and snacks, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. So initially it was purees and then we were able to create like kind of like what's a healthier version of a chicken nugget or mm-hmm. a French fry, right? Mm-hmm. So we have these like cauliflower puffs mm-hmm. and they're made with sorghum flour instead of rice flour. Uh, we have these little nuggets, like you mentioned, the, the pizza, pizza balls, bite, which, which is, is like, like the, my five-year-old was like yeah. obsessed with them. What is this, right? It tastes like a pizza. It tastes like a pizza. Deconstructed. It's like a deconstructed pizza, but it's actually plant-based and it's super nutritious and it has like all that you would want. It also has greens like tucked in there. Totally. I looked at the ingredients and I was blown away. I was like, this is a dream. My kid has never eaten these ingredients before (laughs) ever because my five-year-old is the pickiest eater that you'll ever meet. Yeah. So I think it's it's really fun. And I I think like whether – no matter what – school of thought you subscribe to because there's people who, you know, want to do baby lip weaning and will only do things that, you know, exercise the pincher grasp and things like that. It's like, we just want to support you. Mm -hmm. You know, there are many schools of thought around feeding and we want to give you just an option you feel good about. Mm -hmm. And I think that you deliver on that. So I noticed on your website, you do say that you guys are gluten-free and Mm -hmm. low in sugar. Yeah. So can you explain why you chose to go gluten-free and why low in sugar? 
Yeah. Well, we actually avoid uh, a lot of the big allergens, right? And so I think this is, you know, a time where we've had a lot of food sensitivities and they're still kind of coming down to all the reasons why that is. Um, but, you know, there has been great research, which I do want to highlight that, you know, early introduction and frequent introduction of allergens like, you know, dairy, et cetera, or peanuts early is actually beneficial in helping kids be, you know, have less allergies in the future. But, you know, because of the way I think this generation is and, you know, more and more kids do have serious allergies, we wanted to just empower parents with that information and give them options that were, you know, free of the big allergens. Mm. And so gluten's one of them. And there's actually so many other things that you can do to like fulfill like, you know, what you would want out of gluten in terms mm. of like nutrition. So it, it wasn't like this necessity mm. of having gluten in our foods. And so we just avoided that as with a lot of the major allergens. Mm-hmm. And you have no sugar, like no added sugars. It's, of would course, be, yeah, no, no it added would sugar. Only be like low, like you said, low fructose and low, fructose. low in fructose. Low, so low in fructose. it's this combination of you know no added sugar and then low in fructose. So we think about the total amount of fructose in a meal, and then we also think about the fiber to fructose ratio, so that your body metabolizes whatever fructose is in the in the best way possible. Fantastic, and I love that you guys are, you know, like you you said geeking out on the nutrition thing. So you would know about like the, you know, the, the ratios and be able to, you know, I know Angela has a degree in mathematics. So it's like, I'm sure it's pretty easy for her to calculate ratios. <laughs> um, so I just think that's so cool that you guys have really used all your talents and your education to make this happen and make it happen so well. Yeah. Um, and what we put in our bodies is obviously so important to our overall health and what we put on on our skin is mm-hmm. also really important which is why this is a great moment to mention this episode's sponsor beauty counter Jenna and I are very aware that our skin is our largest organ and what we put on our skin is just as important as what we put in our bodies and that is why we are so truly excited to be partnering with Beauty Counter to get the best makeup on the market in the hands of our listeners while giving you guys an opportunity to support our podcast. We love you. We appreciate you. And we also want to share our secrets with you. Did you know that Beauty Counter created their own high standards in pursuit of clean beauty? Over 1,500 questionable ingredients are never, ever used in their formulations. This is called the never list. I would call it the blacklist. And their ingredient selection process is just unparalleled. I honestly trust everything about Beauty Counter. That's why it's the only makeup I use on my skin. And furthermore, Beauty Counter is a certified B Corporation, which means that it's using business as a force for positive change. Beauty Counter is supporting nonprofits and investing in new science that will find safer ingredients that will hopefully create a better tomorrow for all of the beauty products out there. Who's going to say no to that? Go to our website, themotherlovingfuture.com and click on the link for Beauty Counter to start shopping for a better future for your skin and the world and this podcast. (laughs) So we really appreciate you and your support and we care about your health. So go forth and be healthy. All right. So now we're back with Evelyn. Um, Can you tell me, I saw something about texture training. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that and what that is and how that works? Yeah. Yeah. So what we do is we also offer different levels in terms of like the smoothness of the puree. So, you know, the first stage is like very smooth. It's like 
just as the kid is starting out. And then it gets just progressively like more like chunkier, more texture as it goes on. Mm -hmm. So, and then of course, like as you graduate to finger foods and snacks, it's like these little nuggets. So imagine texture of like a a nugget kind Mm -hmm. of thing. (laughs) And why did you choose to do it that way? Is that just the natural like progression of a baby's like mouth or how did you, how did you figure that out? Yeah, no, it was a combination of factors. I think it was also something that our parents really wanted. You know, it's like, I think it can be really intimidating in the beginning when Mm -hmm. you're starting to just give the first bites. And so you want to make sure that's like very easy for a child to take in and swallow. And so that's the smoothest. And then as they graduate and get older, they're, you know, excited by different textures. It makes it really fun to eat. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they're, you know, eating essentially off the plate. Mm-hmm. So. Because texture is really important in whether or not you like a food. I hear that <laughs> when people don't like foods, it's actually usually texture-based mm, and not no, even taste-based, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and so do your your purees and your foods, do they correspond to a specific age of the baby? Yeah. Well, so we think about each stage in terms of like what's happening and what how can you support that with like an additional boost of nutrition. So we what we do is like, and this is also a big part of helping parents make that link between what they're feeding their kid and the development and realizing what an active role they play. So we were just talking about iron earlier. And so what's really interesting is around the five to six month mark, your kid's iron stores are naturally depleted. So every child has a certain amount of iron when they come out of the womb, but by five, six months, that's completely depleted. And so as you're, this is also a very popular time to be in transitioning to solids. So as you're transitioning to, you know, Yumi or whatever cooking or whatever it might be, you should really focus on ingredients that are high in iron. I mean, given how important they are for neural development. Um, and and so that's like something that we talk about. So it's like this, essentially this milestone kind of article that we give you. We also have been texting parents like smaller nuggetize pieces. Nuggetize, pieces no pun intended. No, pun very much intended. I love food <laughs> puns. But like it's, you know, it just helps like meet them where they are. So if you have like a few minutes, like read a long article, you can do it. But if you have like five seconds, we can also like just give you this mm-hmm. dose of information and you'll be like, okay, so the next time you go out or the next time you prepare a meal, you might think about, oh, well, maybe I should focus on some dark leafy greens because mm-hmm. they're high in spinach. And so it just helps that, you know, process overall. And then like, for example, like as your kids starting to crawl, we'll give you foods that are high in calcium because that's like the first time your baby's like bones are starting to really support weight. And so as that's happening, you want to promote the densification of bones. And so here's calcium and this is why it helps with bone strength and all of that so that like later on their bones won't be brittle. I mean, it's all these things that just like, I think arming parents with information along the way, whether they're using Yumi or not. Totally. And how, what's your process for getting information? I know you do a lot of research, but can you just explain that a little bit to our listeners so they know exactly like how in depth you go, what kind yeah. of studies you read and um, along those lines? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I kind of use it the same lens as when I was a journalist, right? So it's like, what would be, you know, the bar you'd have to hit to get this published in the New York Times, right? So it'd have to be like primary sources. Like you go to the clinical studies, you look at those clinical studies and how robust they are. And if there are other clinical studies that support that notion. So there's a lot of studies, as we talked earlier about the introduction of allergens, there's a lot of studies about the importance of iron during this period. And, you know, you take that and you also make all that sourcing super transparent. So it's something 
something that, you know, I'm very militant about in terms of like anything we publish. I'm like, I want to know like from our team of like, and nutritionists always vet everything that we publish, you know, like what is that information? Where is it coming from? What are the clinical studies? What is the primary sources? Just getting it as close as, you know, evidence-based, science-based as it can be. Um, But it's very rigorous as a process. And I think part of it was like, I was, you know, in building this company, we were trying to read a lot of online resources. We tried to see what parents, you know, would pick up in their journey of raising their kid. And like, sometimes you don't know where information is coming from. So I, you know, I, I really believe that it was important that no matter, you know, what you're saying, you should always show kind of like, show the receipts, show the homework. Um, because mm-hmm. in the world of nutrition, like, yes, like things change, right? And over time, there might be other clinical studies that pop up in the future. But I think that you would trust a, a service or a brand more if you actually saw where all their homework came from, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. And do you ever find that there's contradicting studies on things? Or do you find very much consistency in the studies yeah. that you've researched? Yeah. I mean, for the things that we talk about and for the things that, you know, underlie really the food philosophy, it's actually very robust. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we wouldn't do it. We wouldn't say we should do a variety of like, in, you know, ingredients, a variety of meals if we didn't think variety was so important because mm-hmm. all of these studies, right? There's there's everything that we like really push on and really do is actually very well established yeah. and consistent yeah. within the study. So it's like not controversial, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, people have asked me before, you know, hey, like, are you guys like, is this like a fad diet? It's like, there's nothing faddish mm-hmm. about this, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'd be shocked if anyone would argue that, you know, kids need more processed food, they need mm-hmm. more sugar, they don't mm-hmm. need any variety, mm-hmm. like they're totally fine with French fries. Like, mm-hmm. I would be shocked if that's mm-hmm. the case mm-hmm. in like a few years. Mm-hmm. But you never know, because some French fry maker <laughs> might fund a study and come up with that result, exactly. you know, so it's like, also, who is doing the study? And yeah. is it an objective person that has yeah. a financial um, gain to, sure. be, totally. to be had? Yeah. And you know? just fun fact on the French fry, for our kids under two, it is the number one vegetable. Specifically the French fry, not potatoes or sweet potatoes. It is the French fry. And you know, I do have a kid. I have one kid that's like happy to eat nutrient dense foods, but my, my, my son, he was the one who would only eat a French fry. Like, and he also breastfed till he was four. He would not even eat solid food. Wow. And then when he did, it was like, actually, he would like, pick up, I would try to put like solid food on his, on his little plate and he would pick it up and maintain eye contact with me, crush it in his hand <laughs> and then throw it on the ground. Like he wanted to hurt you. Like he, <laughs> he was like, am I making my point clear? You know, but he did like the Yumi pizza balls. Oh, so good, that's right? really saying something. About you. That makes me so happy. But yeah, I mean, look, I, I like French fries. It's like, you know, your kid, as they get older, they're going to eat all the things. They're going to eat all the processed foods, like when they go to a birthday party, well, mm-hmm. all that. But during this period, like up to two, you have a lot of control, right? Mm-hmm. Like they don't come out of the womb asking for a dessert and a French fry. Mm-hmm. So like while you have that period, while you get their attention and they're so dependent on you for care, you might as well try to introduce them to mm-hmm. like more real foods right. and all that. And, you know, it's like back to the apple and pear purees. It's like even though those don't have ad- necessarily have added sugars, it's yeah. like you are training their taste buds to want the sweet things yeah. so that what they're going to go for the added sugars when they can. Yeah. And I also, to your point of like birthday parties and having like whatever at birthday parties, you can't really control that. Or no. if you do, you're like a mean mom. If you're like, <laughs> no, you can't have that piece of cake. No. <laughs> but it's like it's so much about 
the the regular habits, you know? Yeah. And then it's like if you're in a good habit, a regularly good habit, and then you have that piece of cake or you have that, you know, process, whatever, it's not going to be such a problem. Yeah, no, body. exactly. And I, I think like because you probably have tried a bunch of other foods and like have a taste for those foods. Um, I was actually at the home of one of our first, like we did a test pilot program in the early days of Yumi. Like so before we officially launched and we tried to find just a couple of families in LA and um, I've become close with one of our customers and I was at her home and we were having dinner with her kid who's now like you know, older than like, you know, like an old toddler at this age. And, um, you know, he's eating his like veggies and things. He had ice cream afterwards for dessert, but he had, had his whole plate of veggies and chicken and all of that. And then afterwards, uh, we were putting him to bed. And so we were, you know, in like near the sink and he was brushing his teeth and he started like brushing his teeth. And then he looked at his mom, totally aghast. And he's like, oh my God, there's sugar. In this. So you know how toothpaste sometimes has this like weird flavor or taste? Like he was reading it as sugar and he was like terrified in a way that like he's like, I don't want to be like brushing my teeth with sugar. And like he's a young kid. Smart kid. I mean, I was like in tears. I was like, oh my God, the fact that he's like thinking about that, you know, it's like so early on in the process. And I was like, like, explain this to me to, to his mom. And she was like, Yeah, no, he's like he'll eat things like, you know, cupcakes here and there and he, he'll eat like ice cream here and there too, but he's like not obsessed with it. And he's like cognizant that like he should be eating a lot of other stuff. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I've never been like militant or crazy mm -hmm. about it. And he just has like a taste for a lot of other stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, he tries to not just eat sugar. Mm -hmm. And I, it's, I just, it was so touching. I was like, this is, this generation's going to be on set on the right foot. <laughs> yeah. This generation is, I know with my kids too. And it's like, kids are little sponges and they listen, they pick up what you tell them Yeah, with my kids, you know, because I didn't have Yumi when they were little and they, they did breastfeed both for a long time, which breast milk is sweet, you know? And so they do kind of get that taste for sweetness. And so they, it was a little bit harder for them to like steer away from sugar. And how I dealt with it was to be honest with them about sugar, mm. be honest about how sugar affects your body, how it's bad for your teeth, how it poison. it's a poison to your system, how we don't need sugar. We can have fruit sugars. We can have maple syrup. We can have honey. We don't need to have like added white sugar. And they, um, they completely picked that up yeah. and in turn, that and they'll be on the playground being like, excuse me, is that organic? Is there sugar in that? Sugar is poison for your body, you know? Oh. And it's just like they they really absorb the information. So I just think you're right. Like just having a generation of parents who are educated about these this these truths around foods and about nutrient-dense yeah. foods. And then you know, having, of course, companies like Yumi, but also just educating our children about like what is good for their bodies, what isn't good for their bodies, and then let them make those choices for themselves when they're old enough, yeah, you know? for sure. It's not like never have the Oreo, mm -hmm. but it's just like understand what it means in context, right? Mm -hmm. Understand like the, the general like holistic view on like nutrition and how it mm -hmm. feeds our body. Mm -hmm. And I think their little guys are, they're so capable of, of understanding that. Yeah. So, yeah. um, okay. So what is your favorite Yumi recipe that you guys make? Oh my gosh. Um, there's so many and we've just been, 
uh, creating new recipe after new recipe. One of my OG flavors that I love is our pumpkin pie, mm. which is like this kind of like coconut yogurt base with like pumpkin. And it's it's so good. People will buy 24 of them at a time. Um, it's it's very delicious. And then um, recently, uh, I've also liked, we've had a mixed berry. I love our mulligatani. So mulligatani is made with like coconut and Mm -hmm. has like great super greens. And it's just, it's so interesting. And people also love that one too, because, you know, oftentimes uh, you're not thinking about cooking with curry when you're Mm -hmm. making your kids food. And I think it's just like, oh, it's like a nice way to introduce that flavor. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's another good one. I love squash and greens. I don't know. I, I actually use them as like, if I feel like I didn't have enough greens that day, like I'll just shoot it back. It's like a shooter. It's like, I love it. Yeah. No, people in the office will do that. So it's like, we kind of use them as like little vitamins (laughs) in our day as adults. Um, But we have this like real population of like older people, like full on adults who are using the service is like, instead of like having soups or having a smoothie um, and so, you know, juicing, obviously I think it's started to come a little out of favor just because some juices are not as healthy as others. And you tend to take out a lot of the insoluble fiber and mm-hmm. sometimes it's just sugar, right? Mm-hmm. It um, is mostly, yeah, totally. So we have some people who used to juice like now using Yimi because they're like, this is like retains a lot of that insoluble fiber and it's not super, super sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's interesting. And it is, it has been become very popular also among like it's been very popular among men to have a plant-based diet and so they'll use that and or they'll buy extra in addition to what their kid is getting yeah men you said right yeah wow it's very popular among men for like performance like the tennessee titans are on a plant-based diet like all these things yeah yeah i'm very invoke my (laughs) husband is plant-based and i love it and he didn't used to be and he went plant-based and i really noticed um like a heart opening yeah. You know, like he was so much more in his masculine when he was eating mm, meat, and then when he when he went plant based, it was like an uh, it was like a heart opening, like more oh. um, presence and like heart based yeah. interaction. So yeah. that was really great. I, yeah. I love my plant based man. Like yeah. uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't go back. But yeah, give him sneak him some yumi. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's gonna love it. So um, can you talk a little bit about the delivery process and the packaging and how that all works? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we actually produce and deliver out of California. So we source from organic like farms and like really close by to our facility. So it's near downtown LA. And then so I know people are going to be thinking, are there organic farms near downtown LA? Well, not ex- <laughs> not right next to downtown LA, but you know, like within like Southern California. So then we take all those organic produce and then we make the meals fresh. So we make them every single week and then we ship it out to you. And they are in glass, right? Oh, so it's it's not in glass. It's like a BPA-free BPS and it is like curbside recyclable. So one of the things like, you know, we've noticed is that a lot of baby food, whether it's the pouches or even some recently um, that are the fresher HPP version, they may not be using curbside recyclable plastic, which is crazy because then as consumers, you have to know what to sort, where Mm -hmm. to bring in all those things. Mm -hmm. Um, But we wanted to make it as like recyclable as as easy as possible. A lot of people reuse it to use them for like succulents and things like that. Yeah, they're cute little jars. (laughs) Very cute. So you can just recycle those jars in your normal recycling. Exactly. Yes. 
And then why, why, and tell me about like the grade of plastic. Cause I know some parents are like maybe concerned about plastic. So yeah, can yeah. you just discuss about the kind of plastic that you use and why you chose that over glass and the difference? Yeah, no, it's the highest quality plastic that is also curbside recyclable that we use. And so it's free of BPA, BPS, all the things that people look out for. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's and actually like everything is like filled, it's cold filled into the jar and it's only there for a short period of time. So it really is like the best process to bringing food safely to your door. Mm -hmm. So we love glass. I think it's like the concern though with glass obviously is breakage and the process. Like you never know with third party shippers, they'll just like <laughs> throw it against the wall. <laughs> like you don't want anything to break That's in, true. in that box. And if a kid is holding it and it's cracked yeah. or broken, that could be really bad. Yeah, yeah a, exactly. Or yeah. if they like drop it then or something yeah. like that, it's just like higher risk of like break, broken glass on the floor right. and things like that. So right. just that makes it easier. That does yeah. make sense. Okay. Um, and then you guys deliver cold, like straight to your door on ice yeah. and it's all like refrigerated. You don't leave yes. it on the shelf as doesn't no. have a shelf life like that. So we have the cauliflower puffs, oh, which are like yeah. the, you know, these little snacks that mm -hmm. we have. And so they're a great distraction tool, by the way. That's what we, we <laughs> joke. That's like their primary purpose. They're like the ideal distraction tool. Oh, it's such a good one. Um, but uh, yeah, so that can, you know, you can put in your like you know, where, wherever you store your dry goods, but everything else is, you know, in goes in your refrigerator. Um, and then the, the bites actually, it's, it's best to just freeze them and then you can take them out and reheat them really quickly whenever you're ready. And the purees go in the fridge. Mm -hmm. And do you always like package in the small packaging? Like if somebody wants to buy like 20 of something or like an entire box of pizza Asking balls, for a friend. that's, that's me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that'll be coming out actually very shortly. So we're working on packaging for bulk because that's something we've heard from so many mm -hmm. parents actually. Um, so we did this like very soft launch to our current customers on the finger foods and snacks. And a lot of people were like, how do I order like a hundred? That's what I want to do. Right? I want a hundred pizza so, balls. Yes. So that is like in the works we will keep you updated when that like alternative packaging like the bulk the bulk package comes into play but it'll be very soon mm -hmm. yeah okay amazing so you knowing what you know because we know you don't have kids yet but you are mm -hmm. married and you're probably thinking about that um what is going to be your approach like from birth to toddlerhood of feeding your own kids yeah i mean i think like the up to two is really important in terms of like I'm going to be on Yumi and I'll probably try to cook some meals here and there. Um, I think like being part of food company does make you love the process of making food too, but like Yumi will be like my, my go-to. Um, but I think it's important, like, you know, obviously that you just don't like stress about it. <laughs> I think people do, um, you know, just in the process of like parenthood being so, full of anxiety. Like, you know, it's like once you like feel good about the food philosophy you have or what you do, then it's like, it should feel like on autopilot. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, then I know I've done like as much as I could do as a parent. Um, so we, we always try to like comfort our com like customers who like, cause we get all sorts of questions. Like they're like, it's 10 o'clock. Like which one am I supposed to use? <laughs> and things like that. And it's like so easy to get bogged down on the details. And I think like we really believe like every parent is trying to do the best they can. And like, it's also important to not stress yourself out mm. too much. <laughs> and use your intuition in the moment, you yeah. know, about like what almost like uh, kind of what I call the psychic diet is like muscle, in a sense, like same as kind of would be like muscle testing your food, like holding this 
puree and be like, is this the right, it's 10 o'clock. Like, is this the right (laughs) one for my kid or is this the right one for my kid? And really using your intuition and feeling out like which one feels right or better for you and not just for your kid's food, but for your own food too. You know, it's like, do I want this oatmeal for breakfast? Maybe I want a banana (laughs) day. Maybe I want a hummus and like crackers or whatever. And just like really feeling into like what feels right in that moment because it's like, it might not, your baby might not need the same thing at 10 o'clock every day, you know, and you want to be flexible within, within their choices. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I, I, I think I have a tendency, like my normal inclination is to stress about things and stress about the details. And I'm trying to like position myself in a way. And I think in part, like I'm preparing with this company, trying to learn as much as I can so that when the moment comes, like I won't be that stressed because I, I don't want to impose that on my kids too much, mm-hmm. but I know that some of it is a bit unavoidable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure your kids are going to just eat great and it's not even going to be stressful because you have this company. And you, so you, you send it out to people and that would be their entire week's worth of food. It just depends, right? So we made it super flexible. Like we do one a day, two a day, or three a day. Mm -hmm. Like how many do you want? And then you pick because some people do love to cook. Some people may use stuff from the grocery store. I mean, it's just about like feeling good about at least this meal and fitting it into your life however you want to. And so that's why we we have all the like modular different sizes. And you have you customers can design their own box, right? Mm-hmm. And they can design what's going to go in and um their own meal plan according to their baby's taste, right? Yeah. And so when you're receiving a box, you could you will receive up to three items per day for your baby and maybe more. Yeah, per day. Yeah. So it just depends. Like, so you know, we have like seven, 14, 21 is in terms of the purees. We're starting to like add in kind of what the finger foods, like how that sits together. But yeah, it's essentially like, you know, one a day, two a day, or three a day. And mm-hmm. so because some people are like breastfeeding or using formula, um, particularly in the beginning of mm-hmm. you know, six months or seven months. Still, probably a lot of the nutrition is coming from those sources, mm-hmm. and so you know it's hard for us to calculate mm-hmm. how much are they taking from a breastfeeding or formula mm-hmm. standpoint. Definitely. So, what would you say overall after you know everything you've gone through with this company and leaving your old job and throwing yourself into research and and everything? What are like the big things, big takeaways, things that you wish you could tell every parent? Um, anything like that? Mm-hmm. Big takeaways. Um, well, I think from the nutrition standpoint, it's like this time matters. I think there is sometimes like there's these, you know, things we say um, where we say like, oh, food under one is just for fun or like kids will be just fine. I think I grew up in an era where we thought that the parents were the ones who had to watch their waistline or watch what they ate, watch the cupcake. But kids, they have their whole life to worry about nutrition. And that's a fallacy. And all of the science and evidence like supports that, that like this period, particularly from zero to age two is just so important. And so, you know, it's not to make them feel crazy about it, but like just know that they have an active role in the same way that you might um, sit with your kid at night and read them bedtime stories because you know that's going to help with their like language development in the future. Like think about food in the same way. Mm-hmm. And I love how you say don't stress. And I know there are going to be parents listening to this episode that maybe didn't have the option to feed their child or wasn't able to feed their child nutrient-dense food. And um, I I just think it's important that we start wherever we're we're at, you know? And there's no... I mean, look at Evelyn. She ate like processed food and oh she God. went to Princeton I, and I'm then sure. she started this company. I'm so sure I was on like 
Gerber and bagel bites and who knows what I, I and lots of processed food. So like, I, you know, I, I, I came out the other end. Um, but I just think like, you know, yeah, we know a lot more. And so wherever you are in that process mm-hmm. and that journey, like, and even for yourself, like mm-hmm. think about food as medicine. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, for postpartum mamas, like if you just had a baby, I feel like like this would be great for postpartum yeah. mamas Yeah, people too. have said we should offer like a mommy and me. Yeah. Which we're like, yeah, we should. I wonder how we position that. But like, yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I could see that. Um, all right. Great. So um, I just feel like so excited about this conversation. And I know that this, that our listeners are going to really um, resonate with this. So you're only available in LA, right? Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Tell, yeah. tell us. So uh, we're actually in the process of rolling out nationally okay. and we're adding zip codes all the time. Okay. So you should just check. But we started in LA okay. and then it was like San Francisco, Southern California. Then we went to like New York. Uh, we went to New York in November and now we're like in the process of like rolling this out nationally. So like I will be in Texas in a couple of days. And so pushing out like in Austin, Dallas and Houston, but we're actually adding zip codes all the time. So they Amazing. should just check it out. Okay. So yeah. just go to helloyumi.com yeah. to see if your zip code yeah. is in. In there. Yeah, yeah. And um, but only in America. So yes, far. only in America. It's funny. I get an email probably a few times every week from uh, like from where some okay. There's random places are always Dubai the same place. recently. Uh, last week it was Shanghai, cool. Canada, UK. Like all in the last month. Like people wow. who are like, oh, like can we franchise this or so? Wow. I think there, there's this like a message that I think is just you know, on a fundamental basis, people are going to want more for their kids. Mm-hmm. I 100% believe that is a global thing that unifies this generation. Mm-hmm. You want more. And, you know, I think, you know, we will certainly get there at some point, but there's a lot to do in America right mm-hmm. now. So, mm-hmm. but we'll get there. And America kind of needs it a lot, you know, because we have some food standards in this country, which are yeah. subpar, you yeah. could say. So thank you for doing your piece to combat all that. Thank you. So I have a little invitation for our listeners. If you have a baby at home and you're stretched for time to put energy into delicious, nutritious, superfood food meals for your cutie, take advantage of this episode and these resources and try Yumi. Yumi is offering an exclusive discount code for our listeners. It's 20% off your first order. Is that correct? I think first month. First month. Even better. Even better. (laughs) Um, So, And it's with the code MLF20 at checkout. So we're going to link that to the show notes. We're going to link the website and Instagram and everything um, to our show notes. So you can find all of that information there. Um, So yeah, try it out. Let us know what you think. Write us a comment. Let us know how you like Yumi. And um, so thank you, guys. Thank you, Evelyn, for coming. Thank you, listeners, for being a part of this conversation today. I know. I hope you guys got as much out of this as we did. If you did, please share this episode. Give us a five-star review on iTunes. That really helps us grow and spread and um, get the word out there for all of this important information. So thank you guys so much. If you have anything you want us to cover, send us a message. Let us know what topics you want to hear about and have a great week. And we will see you guys next week. Thank you. 